This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Here, Mike O'Neill here. I'm here with Chuck Coughlin, who was laughing at our new introduction. It caught me by surprise a couple of weeks ago. You yeah, you got some new tunes there, man. I don't know. I'm I got to tell you, up. I got to tell you, I didn't do it. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like we're ready for World Wrestling Foundation or something know. like a that. A little new, new age in there, too. A little, little, little beat, you I don't know. know. It does it say we're about to have a quiet, EDM, intelligent little, conversation. Little EDM, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, hey. So, on this subject... Uh, you are the the uh, uh, head guy at High Ground, uh, which doesn't mean what I I, I think a, a lot of people uh, no. thought it meant. No. Tell, tell us, uh, it's it's not about <laughs> high minded, and we're going to what no, is High Ground? <laughs> no. So uh, when we founded the firm twenty five years ago, um, the Civil War epic was a big story back then. The Civil War books, the the series was coming out. Uh, Killer Angels was coming out, and the lesson of the Civil War was always fight from the high ground. You know. That you always pick the best ground to fight on, and you pick the ground so you're always running downhill. So the notion is never pick a fight or try not to pick a fight going uphill as it relates to public opinion. But what you're trying to do is figure out a narrative that can win in a very you know polarized political environment you know, where you literally have the high ground where you own that high ground and you stick to your message discipline and you run the campaign downhill the whole time. But it's hard. It's really hard in a – particularly in the climate that we live in today. You know, I was – I've been watching a, a, an old uh, series on American history and I, on the subject of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. It was like – one of the reasons the point of this series was that the Civil War was – it wasn't what the point of the series, just one part, but – in the Civil War, we had, in effect, the beginnings of modern weaponry. Yeah, but we still had the tactics of of seventeen. We were we, both sides were playing like the British, standing out in the in open. lines. Yeah, right. as opposed, I, I'm watching these these slaughters, and I said, "Why doesn't anybody lay down on the ground? Right, you know, right. hide behind a rock? No, they're out in the middle of the field. No wonder they all got slaughtered. The mini ball and the cha- the change in technology just completely changed the nature and, of warfare. And they didn't change the tactics no. until later. And for you know, First World War comes along, they're in trench. Somebody figured out the trenches are a good idea and yeah. you know, that didn't help you with mustard gas but or or with aerial artillery yeah. or or yeah. planes then flying yeah. over and but, dropping things but on at top least of they're it. adapting to so which, hey we're going which is the point of life you have to change and adapt <laughs> yeah and so uh Speaking of changing and adapt, we're going to go through a potpourri of of recent political uh, controversies. Uh, I think one of the most interesting ones is the California, the Newsom recall election. I'll give you my take on this uh, and then ask for yours. Number one, uh, for national implications, the normal assumption in this year is the Republicans are the out party. So the normal operative assumption is going in. They will make gains this year. However, the lesson, I think, of the Newsom recall is that if you nominate a candidate of the extreme, and and I think in a lot of cases, the Republicans in particular are prone to do it, they nominate a guy like Larry Elder in a lot of districts, and that may that – may, uh, all bets are off as far as that natural advantage. Uh, I think in Arizona – 
from everything I've seen, you can adjust me on this. It looks to me like the natural lay of the land is about 3% Republican. And if you add uh, a little bit to that for out of year, out of cycle, off cycle, Republicans usually do a little better. And uh, if you, uh, but, and here's the but, and then I'll turn it over to you. If the Republicans nominate a Carrie Lake or Mark Fincham, who was endorsed by Trump and was a January 6th, guys like that can obviate that obvious advantage. Yeah, that's the challenge. It, 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 let's start off with the premise of what is the election about? What's the cycle about? Um, uh, and 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 typical midterm cycle, you want to make it about the incumbent party in the White House and encourage you know draw people's ire about what's happened, Afghanistan, um, whatever you have, uh, taxes, um, budget deficits. Uh, whatever you can manifest uh, is what you want to make the campaign about. Uh, in this cycle in Arizona, um, in the midterm cycle, it'll be about an eight-point Republican advantage. That's radically different than it was in the last presidential cycle. Presidential cycles tend to to turn up turnout. Um, so there'll be we we estimated high ground about seven hundred fifty thousand fewer voters in this cycle than there were in the last cycle. Um, the last cycle had about a 2% um, to 3% Repub- uh, Republican advantage in the last cycle. And we are anticipating an 8% Republican advantage in this cycle. But what is that? That's 42% Republican. That's 34% Democrat. And that's 24% other Note there that no party owns a majority of the electorate. So you need to be able to own and have a message, as you just articulated, that builds your message to about you know over 50 percent, 50 percent plus one. As you, again, just pointed out, if the Republicans want to rerun the last election, which they lost and Trump lost, um, they will lose again if it's about Trump if it's about mask mandates, if it's about uh, stolen elections, if it's about – while that's a great issue in a Republican primary and very effective in a Republican primary, it is not enough voters to pull a general election, even in an eight-point percentage advantage in this cycle. Here's – but the caveat in all this, I remind people about this. So in January of 20, Trump was a lock to win re-election. Economy is growing like nothing is ever seen. We've never had an explosive economy as good as that. COVID hits. He butchers the response to COVID, politicizes the issue, doesn't use the opportunity to rally the country around him, but actually uses it to polarize the country even further and loses the election very narrowly. I mean, it's incredible how narrow he lost that I, I election. Think, I think I counted, it. was it 40,000 votes this time? Yeah. I and mean, in contrast to the election before, which was 20,000 votes. Right. And it's in very few states. In right? other words, Arizona both of the of. last two elections could have been moved with a kind of little hair flick of, uh, of, a, of a vote change. He embraces, 
he did deliver the vaccine. I mean, he did do that. He he embraces public health policy about masks. He embraces uh, social distancing. Maybe he doesn't shut the economy down. That was probably a mistake. Just lead people to how to live with this disease as we are doing now and manage the experience with people as a as a patriotic duty to your fellow Americans. Well, the, he didn't do that. To move to the subject, since you raised it, of COVID, that look around the world, the countries that managed it well – one, they got in early. Number two, they absolutely tested and isolated the early cases when it was in the hundreds or thousands, yeah. not when it's in the hundreds of thousands yeah. or millions. Then the cat's out of the bag. Taiwan was an example. Yeah. Uh, Taiwan is a country the size of New York State in population, and they had, I think, nine deaths. Yeah. And and New York State is, is in the tens of thousands, right. same size. And they closed it down. And they said for the amount of uh, expenditure that we – or the cost to us economically, they could have taken everybody who had come down with symptoms – and was and was vulnerable and 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 uh, potentially uh, could infect others and put them up in the trunk hotel and done it for a fraction of the cost mm-hmm. of what what hit us, but, but it was to, doing it early right. and 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 they were uh, they they were lucky that their vice president who managed the thing was an epidemiologist <laughs> uh, trained at Johns Hopkins actually had some expertise in the yeah area. oh yeah we, you, you just happened to have an expert guy so, so he uh, so back to your. What is the election about? If it's about COVID, if it's about the response, if it's about continuing on that track, um, Republicans will lose. And and just to use the California example, I think in the California recall, originally that election was about Gavin Newsom. It was about going to the French laundry right. without a mask at a time he's telling everybody else to stay home. And he was losing that. And then I visited at towards the end. I visited and all the commercial was – this is. Do you want Gavin mm-hmm. Newsom or do you want Larry Elder? And that was a no-brainer. And uh, we'll return in the in the think tank and uh, take up another issue when we we'll be back in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR.com. We are back talking all things politics with Chuck Coughlin. Uh, the politics of vaccine, COVID politics, basically, uh, in the last couple of weeks, what's one of the interesting that goes on, our Attorney General Brnovich running for the Senate uh, is suing the president over COVID vaccine requirements. Yeah, he's he's he, the, the the Biden administration reached in the OSHA document, the OSHA, OSHA playbook. Tell us who OSHA Occupational is. Safety and Health Administration. They're the guys who say you got to have steps on your ladder. Yeah, you how know, many you steps? Know, you got to have your pick, your forklift working this way, and you know you got to wear your construction guys got to be tied down when they're at certain floors. Yeah, all of those saved a lot of lives. With Absolutely, that stuff. smart at, stuff. Uh, right, yeah, basically, right. But they reached into yeah. that playbook and are saying that not, you know, not having. Uh, a workplace that requires COVID vaccines is a violation of OSHA standards. That's a deep play. That's a really deep, they are reaching deeply into the playbook to do that, rather than, as I would have preferred, to see some legislative uh, push on this. Um, and, you know, we'll see what we end up seeing. My guess is that's a deep, deep play for them. And and as we as this issue gets further politicized, you know, I'm an employer, I'm small, right? I'm a small employer. I have encouraged all of my employees in the strongest terms possible without requiring it 
to go get a vaccine or if they cannot to tell me why um, and 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 have a discussion with their doctor about that and then come and share that information with me because I'm a big believer that the vaccine works and we should encourage that, but we may not need to require it. And I think we're going to see more and more employers. We saw a concert venue in Tempe this week, you know, say, if you're not vaccinated, you're not getting in. And then the the concert was ended up being canceled. So I think we're going to see more and more of that type of privilege thing, because it is a privilege to live in America. It's a privilege to to live in our economy. It's a privilege to be able to have a work in a social democracy, but only if you're willing to sacrifice some things of your own. Are you? And that's left and right. I'm not making a criticism just of the right because this is of the left too. As we say of in Biden saying, "I'm going to use government to do this." Um, so that that becomes this so the politicization of this issue. Well, I, it's been pretty thoroughly politicized, yes. which is From which the is get-go. the shame it is. that that has worked against public health. But it seems to me that what is happening here is that. Uh, Corporations are getting involved, and uh, you know some of the airlines are saying you've got to you've got to become uh, uh, you want to work here you, you've got to be vaccinated. I I wouldn't be surprised to see those airlines pick up market share. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna fly and you have a choice, you you want to fly on the airline where everybody's been vaccinated or the other one where you don't know. I think people can make that choice. Yeah. You want to go to a concert venue, you want to eat in a restaurant indoors. A num- it doesn't require all of them, just more and more such that the individual looks at that and says, you know, maybe I wasn't crazy about this vaccine, but in order to do a lot of the stuff that I want to do in life, I'm going to have to give up a lot of that stuff and maybe it ain't worth it. Right. And private employers clearly have the uh, mm-hmm. option to do that. As we saw the airlines now mm-hmm. uh, require masks wherever you go. I ran into that at the airport mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago when I went. I forgot my mask. I went up, asked the police officer. He goes, oh, up at security. By the way, remember your mask because you're going to get charged 10 bucks now for two masks, which, again, I think is a dumb idea. Just hand out a mask to people who want to comply. But, you know, that's the monetization of the disease, unfortunately. Um, But, yes, um, private employers have the ability to do that. And, you know, it gets down to this definition of liberty. What What is liberty for? What is freedom for? What What do we enjoy in America and why? Because we respect other people's rights. We respect individual liberties and rights. And this is a disease that clearly compromises other people's rights. So in order to preserve my liberty, I need to preserve your liberty as well. This is the shared social contract we have in America, yeah. if you're, if which you're we've lost. Ve- you're on a ventilator. Your rights is a kind of a Pyrrhic right, <laughs> victory. Right, right. And so we – so, but that's what we've lost, both on the left and the right. And now we're using government as either as a whipping post for this, you know, this libertarian notion of freedom that it's only about me, the Ayn Rand vision of, you know, your freedom versus, um, you know, big government telling me that I have to do that. So that's the social contract we, we've lost, I'd say. Yeah. There, there is an opportunity for an elected official to speak to that. But that's hard. That's hard politics these days when everybody wins in a primary. I I think uh, Biden may be on the right side of this one, just from the political standpoint. As we are moving up now in the adult population, 
who is at risk yeah. and is eligible. We're up, getting up to 70% now who are vaccinated. Overall, it's 50, but that includes yes. people who can't get the yeah. vaccine. As that number gets higher and higher, I think more and more yeah. of those people get irritated at the continuing restrictions on their life that yeah. are caused by what is becoming a smaller and smaller handful of people who refuse to do so. Back to the point we talked about in the first segment. If uh, if 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 this election is about COVID and about health policy, he wins. Seventy-two percent of the electorate in Arizona is vaccinated. A vast of, of those who are of, eligible of, to get of, it, right? right now. Uh, yeah. Of well, seventy-two percent of the electorate. That's yeah, we right. Ask. The electorate, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. then, mm-hmm. then we we also ask the mask question. We also ask the employee mandate question. All of those questions elicit a majority response from the electorate that we see turning out. And in mandates the fall of a bad word, so it right. tells you how strong the feeling so, is. It, but if it's about that issue, not about Afghanistan, not about mm-hmm. you know some other issue, then Democrats will have a much better opportunity of closing that Republican participation gap in this cycle. I mean that. That's the Democrat. I I would, uh, you know, call me cynical. I've only done this business for 25, 30 years now. But I would guess that is one of the attributes that leads to Biden's play is I don't want to talk about Afghanistan anymore. I want to shift this back to disease. And so that's that's part of the play. Well, uh, yeah. You know, just quick side on Afghanistan. The first day was awful. (laughs) I'm not so sure. But what over the long haul, this doesn't look better and better. Once you get past the first day. They got 120,000 people out. Yeah. We're out of the country. What position you want to take? You want us to stay there another t- 20 and, years? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Ending not so a war sure. is never good and never easy. Well, the last guy out is is always going to be at risk. You know, No matter how many you have there, at the end you've got 1,000 and then 500 and then 25. And uh, the last guy out was the general. Could so have been that, done better. But, well, yeah. It, always, it, yeah, yeah. Hindsight. Maybe we shouldn't have been there for that long. That's again. the big question. Should we have been there? <laughs> and for, he did get for us out. Five so. years. Well, we'll be back with Chuck in a moment, and we'll continue in the think tank. The think tank, KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR We're back here with Chuck Coughlin, running the gamut in discussion of all things politics over the last... It's been six weeks since you've been here, I think. Yeah. So plenty has happened. Uh, Yes. (laughs) One of the things that you pointed out to me, uh, and it's certainly interesting, there's a lawsuit now by the School Boards Association and the City of Phoenix, the effect of which could be to throw out a whole lot of the legislation that was just passed by the legislature in this past session. How? What's the argument? What's going on? Well, yeah, on? this is an underlying current in Arizona <laughs> politics right now that people should pay attention to. So the Constitution says that uh, your uh, all bills must be of a single subject and must have a short title that corresponds to that subject. Um, in This has been a practice, a historical practice at the legislature to do some log rolling, uh, to find log rolling, is, is making sure you're rolling up issues to get people's votes on other issues. Well, in this legislature, with one vote majorities in both bodies, they did quite a bit of that in the budget, um, in the budget reconciliation bills. There was all of the health care stuff we've just gotten done talking about. Um, the city of Phoenix issue on um, their police um, advisory commission um, was rolled in. There's, that was the one that said you, everybody on the commission has to be a certified officer, gone through training yes, or something like that. they did quite a bit of that. There's a – I mean, 
I want to say, 30 to 40 other policy issues that were rolled into the budget in order to get a majority of the ele- of the Republican caucus, uh, all of the Republican caucus, to vote because they needed every Republican vote. If I understand it correctly, there are a number of things in there that could not get a majority vote on its own, but you threw it into the big package, the smorgasbord with everything, and those guys were not willing to vote against the whole budget and everything. A.K.A. log rolling. That's, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. The, exactly the definition of that. It's exactly why the Constitution says that everything should be considered separately. It does make a certain amount of logical sense. In other words, nothing should pass into a law without majority support, basically. And and many of those policy issues that were put into the budget did not enjoy that, enjoy that majority support in the Republican caucus without the ability to attach it to the budget, which was passed with all Republican votes and one-vote majorities in both chambers and signed by the governor. So- um, the challenge is in play now. The argument was made uh, earlier this week um, uh, by the school board association's attorney. Then the city of Phoenix's attorney uh, will make an additional argument uh, next week on this, uh, on the single subject clause. And that will go to superior court and there will be a ruling. Undoubtedly, either side will, who ends up on the short of that will re- appeal that. Um, And then that will go to the Court of Appeals, and I would expect it to be in front of the Supreme Court. What is the remedy? The remedy would be um, two two possibilities um, that I've talked to. One would be for 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 the Supreme Court eventually to say, oh, that doesn't correspond with the short title. So I'm going to pick and choose everything and eliminate those items from the short title because they don't correspond to the short title. And the short title was basically, this is our budget, right? Budget, reconciliation, appropriations. So anything that's in the budget is probably safe. Well, under that argument. Mm -hmm. But then the other argument will be the single subject argument that all bills have to be of a single subject. And so how does the court remedy that? Because if they say all of them have to be of a single subject, they rule all bills unconstitutional. That's my bet that they'll do because – They throw out everything, including ev- the budget? Including the budget because to sub- substitute their opinion – Oh, which what one is, is the primary? Right. Okay. What issues that, – that's a legislative decision. That's the legislative decision in order to say – you know what? What is of the short title? What what corresponds? That's not their call. It's just they've made a mistake. I'm not going to legislate. Throw bills are unconstitutional. Back to you. Two questions for you about this. One is enumerate for me what are the what other than the budget, which is huge. I mean, it's mostly what they do. What other kinds of things are in there that could potentially get thrown out? All the mass stuff. All of the politicization of the mass stuff, all of the ability of schools not to require their own health care policy, all the punishment of cities for not um, uh, corresponding to their health care policies, an expansion of the law which allows any legislator to ask the attorney general for an investigation of cities. That's in there. Um, as I mentioned, the um, city of uh, Phoenix is objecting to the changes to their um, police uh, uh, commission or com- police code. Re- public- requiring that – I right. think we talk about that off. Police – civ- yeah. civilian oversight. You, you have to uh, – this law says anybody on that has to have gone through yeah. the police there, training. Literally, and I, I don't know all of the policy yeah. issues. They're, they're 
are numerous. And and the argument the legislature's making is, hey, we've always done this. This is what that we've was always my, that done. That was my second right, question. Right. Is that true? Is there a long history of doing this and it just hasn't been questioned? There is. There, there is a long history, um, but not to the volume that has taken place in this session because there's only a one-seat majority. And so there will be affidavits presented to the court from former budget officials that said, yeah, we did this, but not like this. Uh, and but nobody previously challenged Bob Rob, my former mentor, my employer, wrote a column about this saying somebody's got to do this, and now that's actually happening. Now, of course, I think legally, uh, if it was done in the past uh, and it wasn't challenged, that doesn't make it acceptable. It's, exactly. it, it's, it's sort of like you know, my, this is like the kid with mom. Mommy, you let Tommy do this. Well, that's that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly correct. That's the argument the legislature is making, and they're also making this. This is a legislative purview, not the purview of the courts. Except if the Constitution says single subject. Somebody's got to defend the Constitution. And so I don't see those arguments holding water. The people I've talked to said, well, the court's not going to get involved in this because that's really dangerous with their relationship with the legislature. Well, who's going to defend the Constitution then? Who's going to defend that? Who's going to stand up and say, that document says this and you didn't do that? And and as you aptly point out, just because somebody did it before, you know, doesn't mean that It'd be like a especially if speeding. It was, if it was I, never yeah. dealt with in court before. I mean, we're, we're all not disciplined drivers when it mm-hmm. comes to the speed limit, and the the police always, you know, ten mile an hour limits sort of the yeah. rule. Well, if some guy pops you at fifty eight, well, you're gonna get you're probably gonna get a ticket. That's legal. I mean, because that that's the speed line. I mean, it was every once minutes. in a while you run into uh, what they call a strict enforcement, usually notion. on a motorcycle. Yeah, and. <laughs> And they can get you for I, – I watched somebody get it. I, I was driving my car two miles over the limit on I-10. Two miles two over. Two miles. And, yep. they, and they said, well, we're doing strict enforcement here. And the fact that everybody else was 10 over so, yeah, this is matter. this is that yeah. argument. This is a Scalia argument about – you know the original intent the intent this is a strict interpretation constitution and so it's a very conservative thing for the court to say sorry you failed boom back to you and bedlam then and right it's single subject is a pretty clear notion yes. i mean there might be a, a area of gray in there always yeah. is this related to this that's a fair question right but some of the stuff in this uh, you know, that's part. I mean, the the police commission or the or the all or the health stuff, stuff right. is is obviously not part of the budget. No. So. And so, you know, then the remedy, what's the remedy? Right. And so they got they either pick and choose or they say, nope, you violated the rule. Then it goes back. So if you lose the entire budget, you know, that's a big deal because well, I, I th- see the le- if this happens, the legislature is probably back for months in the fall or months or or do they just eliminate all the policy stuff and just and re- redo the budget the way it was yep. leadership will say i can't do this yep. and then they just pass the budget without it or do some of those well, conservatives relent well they could they could pass the budget they've already agreed upon well, the budget and he, so they pass the budget and, as is and then they decide and, whether any of the rest well, of it is he, worth the and fight. here it's a special session right mm-hmm. so it's up to the governor to call the special session so it has to be in the call of the session so the governor can control the agenda by saying i'm calling you back uh to do the budget period period 
So then other and they can't bring can't in other do stuff. anything else. Oh, okay. But here's so here's a really this this is throwing deep into the end zone under double coverage maybe. But here's the other issue is is so the Senate has the audit going on. It's clear to me that there's a majority of state senators no longer support the audit. That's an issue of Senate organization. It's not an issue of law. So when the Senate goes back because it's an issue of just Senate behavior, it doesn't have to be part of the call. So therefore, is that back on the table? So well, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, and, and that's exactly the point I'll pick up on when we return in just a moment. We will talk about a number of things, but the audit will definitely be among them when we return with Chuck Coughlin here in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, we're back with Chuck Coughlin. We promised to talk about the vote audit seems to have lost its luster. <laughs> well, not if you're a true believer. Come on, Mike. Uh, well, it, it is no longer, as you pointed out, no longer majority sport in the, in the Senate yes. that got it started. So Republican, but politically, Republican voters in Arizona still, yep. I wouldn't say overwhelmingly, but there's a solid majority of, of Republicans. That, of that 36% or whatever it is. Right. Yep. And, and they support the audit. But... Um, it, I would say professionally, there's a lot of problems. Uh, Stephen Richer, the county recorder, I'd go on his website to anybody who wants to see a thorough criticism, um, thoughtfully done, of all of the problems with the audit um, and what's happened. We had, the we report had, was supposed yeah, to be yeah. due in May. It's yeah. still not in now. So we it, had him on the show here for a full hour. He's and, unbelievably uh, and great. And I guy. read the report twice. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't know anything about the whole audit, that would be the first thing you should go to. Yeah. Because it's really definitive. Yeah. And he's a lawyer. I mean, he's a smart guy. I mean, Fenimore Craig lawyer used to be. I mean, he is brilliant. And so he's done a thorough job of debunking the whole thing. And what it is, is a fundraising operation for Donald Trump. And that's Mm -hmm. what it's been from the get-go. And so and it's worked. And it's worked, yeah. But now we gotta we gotta continue that because we can't finish the report because then the opportunity will be over and you have to move on. And so now we're we're running that a bit longer. And what you just said is I don't believe there's a majority of the state Senate anymore that supports the audit. They they've never voted on it. That's another important thing. The state Senate has never voted on this. The House has never voted on it. The governor didn't sign any. This is strictly done through the Republican caucus in the state Senate, uh, which constitutes a one-vote majority in the state Senate. And so if they go back, when they go back to the floor, um, you know, this may be an issue of how the Senate operates itself and what, what happens and how that is managed from here on out. I want to ask you, as a political operative, the undercurrent of all of this is obviously, oh, the Democrat is cheated and they stole this election. And I wonder your thoughts on if they keep on saying that. Yeah. What is the potential that Republicans, uh, not all of them, but just a handful, yeah. which is all it takes in this state, yep. say, if they're going to steal the election anyway, why should I bother to vote? And well, then it doesn't come back to haunt them. The only, the only thing we have right now to point to which is the outcome, is the fact that the GOP lost two Senate seats in Georgia. Arguably on that basis. In Georgia. 
I mean, that's not a democratic stronghold of a state. And the special election lost both Senate while the president was saying, oh, the election was stolen from me. And there was clearly a downturn in turnout for Republicans, which is the logical conclusion. I mean, what he did in this last cycle was, you know, thoroughly criticize the early ballot program in Arizona, which we started. I was participant in that in the in 92 when John McCain was running and we we perfected the system. We were one of the first states. And the reason we did it, Republicans did it because we wanted older voters who registered in Arizona, who were frequently not here in August in the primary to be able to participate. And so we created an opportunity for early ballots for people who wanted to participate in Arizona politics to register. And that was all the you know snowbirds and people who were migrating out here. And, and so we did it. And that- Back in the old days, what they called absentee voting yes. was heavily Republican. I remember this. My Still my it. first media election here was 1980. Yeah. And Barry Goldwater was behind until the wee hours of the morning. And uh, I uh, had the opportunity to get out at you know, 3 in the morning with about 12 people <laughs> listening and say that Barry Goldwater's going to pull this one out. Right. And it was on the strength of... Right. Uh, of absentee votes because he was behind it. That's always fun when you can call the election for the guy who's behind. So, so we we've seen a dramatic shift in voter behavior in this last cycle because of that. Because the early voting program used to be wholly <laughs> Republicans. Like when we ran against when Fife Symington ran, I was running his campaign in '94 against Eddie Basha, one of the nicest guys in the state. And what we we dominated him on early votes. When the early votes dropped, we won because we knew um, by the margin we won early votes by there was no way he could catch up. The election was over um, because we executed a turnout, get your ballot in program. So in this cycle, that entirely flipped. Democrats outperformed Republicans on early ballots. Um, because the I, not because of fraud, because the Repu- the president of the United States was criticizing the program. He was saying they'll lose your value. They, they yeah, won't count yeah, it's or fraud. Like that. He was he yeah. was saying that from the get go. So in this cycle, voter behavior changed. Democrats won early ballots. Republicans won election day. When we went to bed, there were several Republican seats in Maricopa County. The entire, I mean, the Board of Supervisors, um, the county attorney, there was uh, all kinds of people that were underwater. And then you woke up at four o'clock in the morning and all the ballots that got counted that day, they're back up again. And that was used as a claim for fraud. It wasn't fraud. It was entirely predictable. It, yeah. it, it depends on which batch of votes you're Adrian counting. Adrian Fontes, yeah. the Democrat. Democratic County yeah. Recorder went to bed at two o'clock in the morning, yeah. winning the election. He woke up the next day and he had lost. This is, of course, one of the most amusing claims in the whole thing. If you're saying that uh, you know that he helped uh, instigate a fraud, he wasn't smart enough to even so, steal his yeah. own his own election. But it, it's not unusual <laughs> yeah. when you in mm. when you motivate an electorate to do something. Well, they'll do it. The president mm-hmm. told people not to vote their early ballot. Well, that's what happened. And then he claimed that it was stolen, and now they still believe that despite any evidence to the contrary, any legitimate, credible evidence to the contrary. So uh, the Supreme Court um, recently said, uh, okay, cyber ninjas, you got to release your data. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's an interesting one because there were some amicus briefs filed on that because they are a private contractor. Um, and then you know you'd say that there's any private contractor that does work with um, the 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 state um, would say well I don't really want to release my data um, on everything in this relationship. Well, the court said nope, release it. So I think we're going to see a lot of stuff, which is going to further erode public confidence in the in, in the integrity of this process that's been going it, on. It surely will not be good. On the other hand, I think it's entirely possible that it'll be such a mess that nobody can make any... It's kind of like if you're uh, an accountant charged to go in and audit a company yeah. that didn't even keep books, so there's really right. nothing to audit. <laughs> you know. But here, here's the craziest thing that's happened as a result of this. Um, Sonny Borelli used a state... Well, state senator Sonny Borelli used a state law to file a complaint against the... the that the, the Maricopa County didn't comply with a subpoena from the state Senate on documents. Um, the attorney general found that to be have merit. And instead of saying we're going to go order it, argue it in court or saying it's not, doesn't have merit, he issued the ultimate ultimatum of this law was if you don't comply with the state law, you lose your state shared revenues. So what does that Which mean? It's catastrophic. It's catastrophic for the county. Um, it's over $600 million. It is the entire – that would be – defunding the entire criminal justice system in Maricopa County. I mean, literally the entire thing. The courts, the the law enforcement, the sheriff, uh, adult probation, um, anything that the, the state, the county does, which is the enforcement mechanism for all of our laws, the, the courts, civil, criminal, everything shuts down. And that's been... They've been ordered to – and they don't want to turn the document, the, the routers and this other information mm-hmm. over because they, they claim and the sheriff has claimed that there's all kinds of private data mm-hmm. that have nothing to do because they were connected to the mainframe of the computer. They've proven that it was never connected to the internet. Mm-hmm. So now they'll say that if you turn these over – to this private contractor, all of this private data, all of our civil, mine, mm-hmm. yours, anybody's, all of our private information is in there and so could get in the hands of hackers or others who would have malicious intent. So now the county is balancing this issue of, okay, do I sacrifice everybody's security or do I comply by complying or do I not comply and then have all of my state shared revenues taken away mm-hmm. over, over, the issue of one state senator asking a state attorney general um, that we force them to comply. Last question. We're on criminal justice. Alistair Adele. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? She basically, they they had an, uh, people working for her were involved in it. what appears to be a conspiracy with the police to overcharge some people who are protesting against law enforcement. And she's either... You know, obviously has some medical issues and that it, she's either not really running her office or she's responsible. It's it's kind of hard to see a good way out. So of So we all want her to recover. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. the human yeah, element sure, of this. Sure. And that's a tragedy. Um, and so the question to me becomes, is the best route for your recovery 
to go pay attention to yourself and your own personal recovery and not participate in this anymore because I'm telling you that being a county attorney, it's the third largest prosecutorial agency in the country. And it has... It's an immensely difficult job. It's an important job because you make decisions that affect people's lives. And how brutal campaigns are today, as we saw, the Democrats are already making an issue of this. So if you want to get better... Maybe it's time to step aside. Thank you, Chuck Coughlin. Thank you, Mike. We'll be back again next week in the Think Tank.